Today is Tuesday, March 7th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Venture capitalists are dumping tons of money into new AI startups. We'll have that top story more on today's podcast. We're bringing news from a Christian perspective. Subscribe, leave a rating, share it with a friend. You can email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org, and you can tell us how much we you hate us talking about how much caffeine we've had in the morning, which I think is an important fact, but not everyone agrees, apparently. What's going on, guys? Happy Tuesday. I'm not going to say I'm caffeinated and contented, even though I am. <laughs> you know, I, so I think this is a, this is good confession time. So <laughs> last week, while you were out, Dan, okay. there was one day when What'd we were do? filming the pod, taping the podcast, and we had to tape it so many times because I could not stop laughing, and I was thinking Dan would be so frustrated with me because... <laughs> This is supposed to take however long we take to record it, and then it took like an hour. Oh, man. So anyway, well, this is just what so we do point, to bring the podcast to you. It got so bad at one point, we just started over. Like, we scrapped <laughs> everything and started over. That, so, yeah, you missed quite the, yeah, a little behind the scenes for everyone. Not exactly sorry that I missed the hour taping, but <laughs> nevertheless, caffeinated, contented, ready to go. A lot to get through. What do we have coming up on The Focus today, guys? We're going to talk about a former Grey's Anatomy actor. He's leaving Hollywood, and he's got an interesting reason why. Looking forward to that. And Billy, you have a little bit on uh, this Jesus Revolution movie that's been uh, really doing well. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to be sitting down with John Irwin, the director of the film, and the guy who, for years, was trying to get it made. So it's a pretty cool story. Very, very cool. Looking forward to that as well on the main thing. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. And Tesla's recalling uh, 3,470 Model Y cars because some bolts in the second row seat back frames are not being secured properly. That impacts about 4% of all uh, Tesla cars in in that model, uh, according to a recall report submitted in late February. Four U.S. citizens were assaulted and kidnapped by gunmen in a northeastern Mexico town on Friday. These Americans are believed to have been targeted by mistake. They traveled to the border city of Matamoros for allegedly getting medical procedures. According to officials, they were in a white minivan with North Carolina plates, according to the FBI. Then they were fired upon by unidentified gunmen and were placed in a vehicle and taken from the scene by our men. They're still looking for him, and there's a, a reward out for any information that would lead to helping find and locate them. And venture capitalists are pouring hundreds of millions of dollars into generative AI startups. And AI could be coming very foundational to life and work as we know it. And so there's an accelerating, quote-unquote, arms race to shape and profit from that future. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNNews.com. So, guys, looking at this AI news that you've got venture capitalists just dumping hundreds of millions of dollars into platforms such as ChatGBT. I always forget what the... ChatGPT, not GBT, Chat. I've said GB too many times in my life, but chat GPT, which is really interesting if you've dabbled with it at all. Uh, it's quite it's quite impressive, really, but also terrifying at the same time. I don't know that I'm ready for a world with more of this all around at our fingertips. 
Are you guys? I no. I mean, has anybody <laughs> watched the Boston Dynamics creepy robots <laughs> yes. lifting giant? But so you're going to tell me we're going to take the creepy strong robots and now give them no emotion, but the ability to think and do better things than we can do. <laughs> I, this is a recipe for a militarized creepy robot world that I just am not ready for. <laughs> yeah. No, that. So the self-driving car. Speaking of Tesla, the self-driving cars thing kind of weirds me out. Yeah. So the fact that that these robots i don't know ai simulations can now be thinking for us i don't this can't be going any way but the wrong way <laughs> i don't see how this is although considering where culture is right now they may be smarter than us actually and who knows i mean you <laughs> never know considering where but we I, are. still human beings are going to have to be programming them and right. it just seems if history is any indication the people who are leading these really successful companies are are sometimes crazy themselves. So they'll yeah. be pro- programming the crazy right into these. So we're doomed is what we're you're doomed. saying. Well, and yeah, kind of. Just think of all the cheating that can go on, the, the lack of thinking when you just have to just input, the, hey, write me a poem on this, or hey, do this, hey, do that. And it's just doing things for you and you don't engage your brain. That can't be a good long-term recipe for a culture. It just can't. <laughs> for no. a culture unable to engage its brain currently. Currently, <laughs> yes. We're just help making it, easier for them to, to not engage their brain. But I think that's part of the problem, right? Is that our, all of our technologies, while it's great to have technology and technological advances when it comes to things like travel and communication and medical stuff, like all that is, is great. But also I think it incentivizes laziness and sloth, yeah. which uh, is, is a huge problem. And uh, creating algorithms and uh, mechanisms that can do all of our thinking for us uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's not a good, not a good idea at all. No, think. and one thing I'm not worried about is I've seen people try to fearmonger and say, "Oh, everyone who's a writer, or a content creator, uh, well, you should be worried about that. AI is just going to make those blog posts for you." That one I don't buy because all you'd have to do to defeat your competitor is just we don't use AI to generate our posts. But they do. I mean, who yeah. wants to read AI generated content that they could just do on their own by yeah. typing in a search thing? No, you want your stuff from an actual human being. I mean, you do, but Look I'm convinced that eventually. <laughs> well, I just think that eventually AI is going to sound so smart that you're not going to be able to tell the difference, particularly with shorter content, right? Like if it's a two, three hundred word article that's just writing up a headline or something. I, I think we'd be hard pressed to tell the I'm, difference between the two as time advances. I'm not saying that it wouldn't be good at it. I'm just saying it wouldn't be a human. And so, but who's going to know that? I don't think anybody's so going to line up and say, we had a robot write this. Well, but I they should have to. Who wrote? I mean, you have to say who well, wrote your article, don't you? I don't well, know. I'm just telling you I, that I, you're I, expecting people to be honest. And I think that fair I enough. I think that's kind of too much to ask in this day and age. <laughs> it's an interesting debate because <laughs> we are the pioneer generation on a number of fronts. This is certainly one of them. And maybe it'll be. A positive in the future? I don't know, but it, it certainly I'm not seeing it in my feeble brain. Maybe I'll maybe I'll query chat GPT next and ask it if AI is a positive for the future or not. See what it says. I don't know. But moving on to our next story now. And former Grey's Anatomy actor is out there now saying he's leaving Hollywood because of how divisive this is. Very interesting story here, Trey. What's going on? 
Yeah, so his name is Isaiah Washington. He played Dr. Preston Burke for several seasons on Grey's Anatomy. He recently tweeted, It's with a heavy heart and a sense of relief that I'm announcing my early retirement from the entertainment industry today. Uh, He went on to write, "Uh, Those who have been following and witnessing my journey here on Twitter since 2011 all know that I have fought the good fight, but it seems that the haters, provocateurs, and the useful idiots uh, have won. Those are uh, his words. Uh, (laughs) The timing, though, of his exit is kind of interesting it's exit from hollywood i mean because of just how divisive our country has become it seems since covid really since 2015 in that presidential election but then since covid all of that has been so greatly exacerbated uh, americans are kind of having to to say one way or the other where they are because of cancel culture right and because of this uh, this divisive uh, i don't know atmosphere in which we live you're constantly called to the carpet on, well, you have to tell me what you think about every single issue. And if you don't think the right thing, uh, then the powers that be will kind of sideline you. Mm. What does he mean, do you think, by useful idiots and haters? Yeah, so overall, it seems like he's generally concerned about the direction of American culture and the the way that the country is heading. Uh, but he specifically talked about race and politics. He wrote, it was a very long Twitter thread. Uh, he wrote, I'm no longer interested in the back and forth regarding a color construct, he put that in quotations, that keeps us human beings divided, nor am I interested in politics or anything vitriolic. Uh, he ended the post a little bit later saying, I will be traveling this great country before it falls into socialism and then communism. So he's not necessarily very hopeful about the uh, the direction that we're, we're going when it comes to this kind of divisiveness. And then he also added, which I thought this was interesting, he added this descriptor for himself. He said that he's a Frederick Douglass conservative, uh, obviously a, a great emancipator uh, you know, during the, the civil rights movement, the Civil War time. So uh, interesting, an interesting way to end the end his his Twitter thread and his announcement that he's leaving Hollywood. It's also interesting, the timing, uh, because Idris Elba, y'all might remember, said not that long ago, uh, he's a A-list actor, very well-known, uh, more famous, obviously, than Isaiah Washington. Uh, he caught out Americans for a similar issue. Uh, I, I don't know that I would say Idris Elba is conservative uh, by any stretch, but he did say that Americans are obsessed with race, and this is becoming an issue. Both of these actors are black, uh, and both are, are talking about the way that we as a country have handled race, and neither one of them, even though they're coming from completely different perspectives, neither one of them think we've done a good job. Mm. Really interesting. I mean, we've talked about it on this podcast that Pendulum Watch sort of went as the pendulum swung too far to where average people are just had have had enough of cancel culture, um, for lack of a better word, woke politics, where everyone's yeah. just looking to you know get a scalp. So. What do you, what is next for him? What is it? What is he looking to do now that he has left um, the show and Hollywood? Well, so he just finished directing and starring in a movie called Corsicana. It's about an ex-union sharpshooter. Uh, he said that would be his last film, uh, but he did tell his fans to continue following him on social media to look for other projects that he might be involved in in the future. But again, he said that he's leaving Hollywood, at least Hollywood proper. It doesn't mean he's not going to work on other right. projects necessarily in the future, but he's leaving the industry proper and is, is planning to travel more. And uh, But again, he said stay tuned for, for other projects he might be working on in mm. the future. So it certainly is interesting the direction he's taking and his boldness in announcing why he's leaving Hollywood. Yeah, really. And it's an interesting time to do it. I bet you more actors that think 
similarly to uh, Washington there, are looking at today's world as as having more opportunity because of technology and how much more accessible it is for people to be able to produce things. You don't need a Paramount or Universal in order to make a film. It's a lot more accessible to be able to produce things these days. And that doesn't mean it's easy, but I think a lot of these people in Hollywood who think along the same lines are starting to make this kind of equation in their head saying, hey, this isn't worth it. I think I can do this another way. You guys get in the same sense? Yes, I, I think that is the case. You've seen also The Chosen. Yeah. Um, you've seen these other, you know, all of these projects that are not the traditional way that Hollywood does things. I mean, The Chosen has really shown there are other paths. You can raise money. You can, you know, so when mm -hmm. you're free and you're not tied into a studio, or stuck into these really unhealthy sort of molds that have been created and perpetuated over the years, mm. you know, why wouldn't you go do your own thing? You've got Kevin Sorbo with his own studio doing his own stuff or his own company. Um, so you're seeing this more and more. And I think um, what's interesting, though, is you're also seeing movies like Jesus Revolution that did go through traditional channels, right? Um, really explode. So it makes you wonder if these moves away will actually also help people come back and transform Hollywood maybe yeah. in some positive ways. Which I think I think that shift is interesting because I, I do think that people have tried for so long to fit into the the secular Hollywood vertical and it hasn't worked. So they've kind of left and a lot of them have created their own verticals and they're just doing their own thing off to the side. Hmm. But it's having maybe an effect that they weren't anticipating, like you were saying, Billy, I think maybe Hollywood generally, capital H Hollywood is looking over and seeing what they're doing and how successful it is. And they're like, well, now I'm a little bit jealous. Like that's, why are you, why are you so successful with this audience that we've been ignoring for 40 years? Uh, so now they're welcoming them back in, like with Lionsgate, uh, you know, producing and distributing. I mean, uh, the Jesus Revolution movie, I think is a perfect example of that. Mm. Yeah, certainly interesting. And we'll keep an eye on his career going forward of, that is Washington from uh, formerly of Gray's Anatomy. And um, looking at that with great interest, because uh, I think if one person can do it and they become successful, I think you I think you might see a few more looking to flee Hollywood where it's not really as diverse and inclusive, at least to all viewpoints, as uh, they they would like to portray it as so appreciate you bringing that story trey we're gonna head over to the main thing now and uh, billy caught up with jesus revolution director john Irwin, and they talked about god's prophetic timing and the movie's monumental impact and why Irwin believes a revival and spiritual awakening could be upon us billy has the story on today's main thing John Irwin, you have had a crazy couple of weeks. What has it been like to watch the success of Jesus Revolution? Well, what I love about about the movie is just the amazing timing of the release. Um, I originally bought um, the Time Magazine uh, uh, articles in my bag, literally, uh, the, the, the Time Magazine cover story in 2015, you know, and I've stayed with it Um that long. It was just something I got thoroughly fascinated with. I'm, I'm just curious by nature. And so I started really studying this last revival in America and I felt gypped. Like, why can't my generation experience something like this? We needed, it seems like such a similar time. And that was in 2015. It was like every year has gotten worse <laughs> since then and more like the late sixties. But I think the late sixties was just a very similar time of despair, cultural despair, you know, and, and division. And then that's when God really broke through. And so 
you know, I just really fell in love with the time and fell in love with the story. And what, so every, between every movie, you know, um, I can only imagine, I still believe, um, American underdog, you know, I've been dreaming of getting this film made and, uh, and we tried to get it made before COVID shut the world down. And, and it was a very, one of the more disappointing moments in my career because the movie I still believe was number one in America on Friday night and all theaters were closed on Tuesday or Wednesday of the next week. Uh, in a way none of us could have predicted. And the movie, uh, Jesus Revolution, was literally like three weeks from shooting. Uh, John Gunn was directing, my co-writer. And and um, so just to see that God had a plan for this movie uh, and to see, I was talking to Dallas Jenkins about it um, uh, as the movie was releasing. It's like we did not strategize or plan for like, hey, Dallas, you do Jesus Walking on the Water in early February make sure that 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 friends buy Super Bowl commercials in the middle and then we'll anchor the end and we'll just make it the month of Jesus. We'll schedule a revival at Asbury in the middle. And that never <laughs> happened. It just it was just amazing, uh, an amazing symphony of timing and and uh and then the most the most special thing about it I think was was what began to happen at Asbury and other universities and uh, Beth and I drove over there. We're, we're in we were Nashville I was working in uh Louisville anyway. It was sort of sixty miles away and, and it I remember Greg Laurie called me and said, what did it feel like? And, and, and I said, um, it felt exactly like the movie. I mean, it felt exactly like the movie. So I love, I'm an entertainer first and I want to, and I want to, you know, I want to serve the audience. I want to, I want to, it's a privilege to entertain the audience. And I want to, I go to movies to feel, to have an emotional experience and to feel things. And so I want to make them laugh and cry and cheer. This is my favorite film to ever watch with an audience um, in my career but then to see it really connect and and be useful because there really is a movement behind the movie and the simple theme of this whole journey has been if it happened then it can happen now and uh and so to see that start start to take place even before the movie released was just such an amazing thing and and the timing of the release it just it continues to blow my mind um uh, i'm very grateful to be a part of something you know you just feel like you're you're one part of something god is doing and it's really cool well, it's especially cool when you share that timeline too, right? You wanted this movie made years ago. You've been kind of working on it for a long time. You were dreaming of it. And in life, we can get really frustrated sometimes. I know I can when I want something to happen on a timeline and it's not happening. And yet here it's happening now. And you mentioned Asbury and that you went there and you experienced that. We had Lee University. We've seen middle schools have these revivals. Yeah. It really does feel like something is going on. You know, I've talked a lot about this with DeMar Hamlin even, right? You had that thing where, where the yeah. nation is reacting in this prayerful way. You don't normally see ESPN become like a, a revival on the air where people are praying, right? So there's something going on. I mean, what is what is that taught you about God's timing, right? You sort of just spoke to it, but well, that fact that you were waiting, you know? Well, I think to, to whatever anyone's endeavor is, um, uh, listening, whatever you're called to do, if you're really called to do it, just keep going. I think that's the, that's the lesson. Um, you know, what does the Bible say that we'll, you know, <clears throat> in due season we'll reap if we don't lose heart. I think there are far few failures in life as there are just people that, that, uh, that quit too early. And, uh, what I've learned is that if God's calling you to do it, it's going to take way longer than you think. There's going to be many twists and turns. There's going to be many disappointments along the way. But just keep going and and uh, and don't quit. And and I have found that God's timing for something uh, 
is perfect. And this is such a, you know, such a, you know, Kelsey Grammer became available to be a part of the movie, as did Jonathan Rumi from The Chosen. And then everything just sort of synergized in a way none of us could have predicted. And so that would have happened on the previous, you know, version of this movie. And so, uh, yeah, I think, I think the lesson is to just keep going. And <clears throat> I think the cultural lesson with the movie and, and the reason I, you know, I feel that, you know, revival's in the air is, you know, what do they say when your pain outweighs your fear, change can begin, you know? And, uh, and I, what I learned from studying that generation in the 60s was this word desperate just came up a lot. It was that bad in America that, uh, and then I think there was a generation that was very spiritually attuned, which I think Gen Z is very spiritually attuned, you know? And they uh, are. And yeah. they, they, back then, they just went to the wrong wells. And so, this uh you know they had they had such hopes in this um hippie revolution and and free love drugs and rock and roll and LSD specifically is this quest and it was really when that didn't work you know and they came to the end of that which we portray in the film that uh that they're like man where are the answers so it's a it is a there's a line in the film where uh Jonathan who's playing Lonnie Frisbee in the movie says you know uh desperation there's power in that word and then he says you know what would it take for you Chuck to be desperate. And I think that's a question for all of us because man, there's some, there's some beautiful things on the other side of, of, of finally admitting to your own desperation and your pronoun off in there in your own personal life in society. Like, man, we need help. And, uh, and so that's what I love about just the timing of the movie. It just feels like we're back, we're back there again. And, uh, again, people are loving the movie. They're loving the experience of the movie, but I think everyone goes out of the theater thinking, man, I want to be baptized or I want this to happen in, in our time. And, uh, and it's cool to see the movie take root in people's lives and, and people say, let's, let's have this happen again in America today. Yeah. I mean, there's so many people, I think we're dealing with different issues. There's, there's a crisis of identity. There's the God of the self, you know, we have all these things happening today with young people and it's so easy to become so negative about it because it's overwhelming. I mean, you turn on the news, you watch it for 10 minutes and it's like, this is awful. Right. But, but then seeing, and that's what I loved about the film that, Hey, this isn't new. There's nothing new under the sun, like scripture tells us. Mm -hmm. And you know, the problems might change, but the same human condition is there. And yet the same solution is there and that this has happened before. And then to see again, that timeline, we can't overemphasize that enough of God actually pouring out on these university campuses. And I think we're just beginning to see what um, is going to happen here. But I'm sure you've heard a million stories so. at this point about the impact. Um, what has been maybe one of the most moving things you've heard about how this film has impacted a person or a group of people? I mean, I, I will say this. I've never, um, I've never in my career seen so many stories on social of people um, using the film and lives being changed uh, after the film. We call a film like a setting a volleyball that someone else spikes, whether that's a pastor, youth pastor, mom and dad. It just the right story opens up your heart to to really reexamine the way you think and believe. You know, it's very it's why Jesus told parables, really simple emotional stories, and then he explained their truth. And so we're sort of like an air force, you know. Uh, the work has to happen locally, and uh, but but we can we can we can accelerate it. And so I've seen, man, I've seen posts of people getting baptized in fountains outside the theater or in a lake the next day, or like a spontaneous praise and worship service starting in the theater. 
and then prayer happening in the theater long after the movie wrapped to just personal testimonies of one guy that was just um, uh, really struggling with 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 a with a um, you know with a with an addiction to drugs and felt delivered and healed and is getting the help he needs and like I've never seen stories like this before. Um, I think there's just a certain power to to the true story that we're telling. We felt it on set when we were doing the baptisms. I've never felt that kind of spiritual power on a day of filming ever in my life. And I think it bleeds through the screen. I think you feel it in the movie. Um, And uh, so, yeah, I've never seen this many stories flooding in this quickly. That was John Irwin, the director of Jesus Revolution. For more on the film, head over to JesusRevolution.movie. You can find out more on the background, check out the prayer team, and find out where to get tickets. It's JesusRevolution.movie. All right, Billy, thanks for that uh, interview there with John Irwin. Appreciate that. And that leaves us with time for one last thing. So it's Psalm 14.1, and it's a simple one. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. I just love, I love that verse. It's just like, yeah. you're a fool. Yeah, yeah that's, that's I know, but I mean, that is the ultimate summary of the human condition, especially for unbelievers who think they're smarter than God. Now, even believers in our different ways, we think we know better than God, and that's how we get into trouble but for the unbeliever, they think that they have the it all figured out. Clearly, the Bible describes them as fools, so it's obvious they don't. I mean, that is the ultimate, what, so it wouldn't be a mic drop, but the, the ultimate <laughs> scroll drop moment of, yeah. of, of Scripture. Yeah. It's like, there's nothing else to say. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's a great reminder, right, of God's sovereignty in our lives, um, and that, that He's the source of all wisdom and all knowledge, and He's where we need to, to go for answers. Yep, absolutely. Preach. all right well that's a good place to leave it for today as always get on over to cbnnews.com go on the youtube channel check out our videos our interviews everything else over to faithwire.com as well get that news from a christian perspective and lord willing in that creek don't rise we're going to be back here tomorrow with more hope you enjoy the rest of your tuesday god bless see you tomorrow